0: All right, praise the Lord. Hello, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing on the 4th of July? Amen. It is great to see everybody today. I thought everybody had gone out of town from Barstow for the 4th, but there are a few of you left, all right? So very good. Thanks for sticking around, and yay for you for making church a priority today. We love America, but we love Jesus more than anything in this world. Am I right this morning? Yes. All right. Somebody was asking me, hey, Pastor Dave, what's your favorite dance? I said, it's the Independence." dance. Am I right? Oh, sorry. All right. No more jokes. My bad. I They stop now. They will stop now. But praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up together this morning. Let's stand up together. We are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. We do this every single service. But what better a day to do that than right now on our nation's 245th birthday. Amen. 245 years of freedom. Amen. And we realize that, that, uh, hey, there's a spiritual warfare going on even to this day, but we will see victory in the name of Jesus. All right. Hey, Nick, can I get Nick to come on up real quick? All right. I love America and you love America and Nick really loves America. So come on up, Nick. Amen. Come on. All right. Praise the Lord. Now we're just going to, we're just going to speak. The Confession for America together, and I just need him here for moral support because the, the vibe that this man is putting out right now is very strong, all right? I'd like to say anointing, but I, I think it's a vibe, so. <laughs> all right, so anyway, we're just going to speak these words of faith together and say it like we mean it. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. Thank you, Nick. I'm gonna ask that you remain standing this morning for just a minute. Stay standing with us. I know you're like, I just sat down. Don't do that to me. Well, I'm gonna have Josh and the team lead us this morning, uh, and God bless America because we need that for this nation. Amen. The blessing of God. And you know what? There may be flaws, but I will say this. I have been to other countries. I have spent time in communist nations, a couple of them and this is the greatest nation in the world. Amen. And it's not because we're better than, but founded upon the blessing of God and the word of God, you can't beat that stuff. All right. So go ahead. Let's sing this together this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. And we're really grateful to see a nice turnout even on the 4th of July, amen. Well, we'll go over a few quick announcements here with you today. Um, First of all, the, the kids are all in their classes. The older kids are gonna be playing just, I think they told the parents, a few little water games. They're not getting fully immersed, but like some water balloon toss and stuff like that. So if they come back wet, hey, you're welcome, all right? That's our gift to you. You just take those wet kids home and we just wanted to bless you extra special today because there's nothing like that, all right? And I also want to remind you that uh, every Sunday morning, from 9 to 9.30 over in the office building, we've got our Sunday morning Bible class going on, studying the book of John, one chapter a week for 30 minutes. It's a great opportunity to be in a small group and discuss the Bible and learn together, meet some friends. So Austin Brady's leading that for us every Sunday morning, 9 to 9.30 in the office building, alright? Amen. Very good. Who loves the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, you love the Bible. So that's a great chance for you, alright? There is no 6 o'clock service tonight. I know everyone's going to be out watching fireworks and blowing things up and cooking things over open fire. So do that because we're Americans and we love to do that stuff. So go out and do that, and uh, and we appreciate that. Now, another big thing coming up, July is a big month around here. On July 18th, all right, that's a couple of Sunday nights away, we are going to be canceling that service and throwing a great big birthday party for my dad. It's his 70th birthday. Yes. 70th birthday for pastor and uh, we're gonna have a great big barbecue We've got a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth and I, st- I think we still need a few things for that as far as uh, Food donations because we're all just pitching in and uh, making it happen. So don't miss that night It is going to be an absolute fun time as we celebrate and uh, and we're thankful for pastor Who's thankful for pastor samples coming and bringing the word of God? Amen sticking through it Hallelujah. Alright, and then another big news, I know, uh, this is, it's already making the rounds on social media. Listen to this. The HDWC social media t-shirt contest is coming back! I'm not feeling that, but that's, that's alright. I'm gonna forgive you on that. But, but, Uh, Every time the Olympics roll around, it it started off by coincidence, by accident, but I noticed every time we do a t-shirt contest, it just so happens to be during the Olympics. So check this out. Starting Friday, July 23rd, when the Olympics start, we are bringing back the HDWC t-shirt contest. If you don't know what that is, uh, it's where you get a High Desert Work Center t-shirt, and we've got some uh, coming in, and you take the best picture that you can of yourself rocking that t-shirt and you tell everybody hey i love jesus i love my church and you're and you're you're telling people about your love for the lord and your church all right and so uh the last time there was a we i you know i don't know if everyone does this but we had a cash prize on the table i think of uh, what 16 dollars. all right 16 and and adriana won that all right this girl, she posed as, she had the audacity, she put on an HDWC t-shirt and posed in the window of Gap, both of them did, and uh, and acted like mannequins, and they just did that, and, and it was wild and crazy, and uh, we've had some, I need to bring some examples in, uh, we had uh, Jesse Montenegro, Jesse Garcia, and Robert, they climbed on the roof of the church building and did the, you know, dab, whatever, you know, so there's some good stuff out there, and you may be thinking, well, I love my church, but I'm not willing to put my life on the line for my church or get arrested by posing in a store window. That's fine. Just take a good picture of yourself. All right. And, and so anyway, but here's the big news. All right. We wanted to up the prize this time. We're going to up the prize. Hold on to your seats because you might fall out. I don't want anybody getting hurt in here. All right. Not on the 4th of July. The first prize will be $17.76. cents. Seventeen seventy-six. Come on, somebody. Yes. Independence. Yes. And you know, uh, it may be in coin. It may be in loose change, but whatever you're going to get it. All right. Just, it'll be there. I'm good for it. Okay. And so you'll also get rejoicing rights for the next two years until the Olympics come around again. And as I've said, we don't call it bragging rights because Christians don't brag. That'd be wrong. But what we're going to do is let you rejoice for two years that you're a winner and all of your church family, they're winners too. They're just not as big a winner as you are. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. All right. Very good. Now, uh, one last announcement. If you don't have a t-shirt, we're placing an order next Monday. And so you can go to the bookstore directly after service, pre-order your shirt, $12. And you can get a red one or a black one, kid sizes all the way to adults. But anyway, if you don't have one yet, make sure you get one because you want to get in on this action. It's going to be absolutely awesome. All right? Very good. Well, I want to take one opportunity before we do our tithes and offerings. And we want to welcome anybody that's with us for maybe the first time or the first time in a long time. We've got a gift for you. And we want to just give you some information about the church. If you could raise your hand and we will welcome you this morning. Very good. Very good. All right, Heather. Heather's going to come and give you something right there. Very good. We thank you for being with us, and that will give you some info on the church and let you know what we're all about, all right? Well, who knows what time it is now? happy time. Well, what is that? Man, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. So we decided we're going to be happy when it's time to give because God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. If you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org giving. We're going to open our Bibles this morning to Deuteronomy chapter eight. Deuteronomy chapter eight. Amen. Can we get excited for the word of God today? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm in the New King James. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. And it tells us this. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so there's a lot wrapped up in that verse, but it says you better remember the Lord your God. And how do you remember the Lord your God? There's a lot of ways that you remember the Lord your God. But one of those ways is by simply obeying his word, being a doer of the word. And one thing the scripture clearly tells us is to be tithers, to be givers. And every time that I bring my tithe up, every time that I put my offering in, I'm remembering the Lord God and his word. I'm remembering the things that he's done for me. I'm thanking him and blessing him for all that he's brought me through. I'm remembering the Lord my God. And what does it say? Why is he doing this? So he can establish his covenant in the earth, which he swore to your fathers. And we just completed a whole series about covenants, right? Now this would be the covenant of Moses written to these guys, but thank God Hebrews 8, 6 says, we've got a better covenant with better promises and so no doubt about it i'm gonna obey god in his word and there is blessing in the obedience amen let's go ahead and stand up together we're gonna speak some words of faith over our giving over our tithes and our offerings and i just always encourage you realize that this is not just a tradition we do not just some old thing There's power when we speak words of faith over anything, even our giving. And so let's say this with faith, say it like we mean it, then we're going to worship God, all right? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, Checks in the mail Gifts and surprises finding money Bills paid off Debts paid off Royalties received Blessings and increase Thank you Lord for meeting all of my financial needs So I have more than enough to take good care of my family To give generously in the kingdom of God And promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ Amen Let's go
1: As you bring your tithes and offerings Let's just stay up here at the altar together and worship trust our father that we're not going to have judgment because of what jesus did love of uh that love that casts out all fear of judgment or of fear of death or anything like that we don't have to be afraid because our father has us and he gave his son jesus as the perfect sacrifice to redeem us back from all of that so we can just say lord here we are we surrender we throw up our arms to you anything that we need anything anywhere you're leading us lord we just give it all to you today we surrender it fresh to you. We can trust you because you paid it all. You gave it all. You gave your only son for us and we thank you, Lord. Beautiful surrender is where I want to be. Locked into your arms for all eternity. Come and take my The full surrender It's chasing after me. because God first loved us. He made America great. The wicked one comes. He raises up a standard against it. Let's sing we love you.
2: Love us, And you proved your love for us because you came down from heaven to earth, become one of us. And you lived totally free from sin and holy and righteous all the days of your life on earth. And then you took our punishment, you took our judgment, you hung on the cross for us, you paid the price for our sin. And Lord, the way we prove our love to you is, Is we live our lives according to your holy commandments, according to the word of God. And Lord, you said in Matthew 22, that the first great commandment is love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And then to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you said, that's equal to the first commandment. And you said, that's how all people should know we're your disciples. We have love one for another, and Lord, we know if there's ever been a time that the world needs to see Christians love not only you but prove their love by loving one another and love the people around them so they know who you are and what you've done, it's now. As we fellowship with you this morning through the worship we're doing now, and Lord, through the Word of God and through communion in a little bit. I want to thank you that everyone watching this on the internet, everyone in this service right now, something's going to take place today in our hearts to cause us to really know the true fellowship with you and the Holy Spirit. So everywhere we go, people will ask us, what is there different about you And, Lord, your love will just radiate from our hearts, from our eyes, from the words we speak, Lord. And they'll know that Jesus Christ is real. He's risen from the dead. He's the only begotten Son of God. And they want to love him, too. We thank you for those things taking place today in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. You know, I'm thinking about something I heard a man of God say uh, years ago. He said, if you want to know a pastor's heart or anybody's heart, just pray with them, listen to them pray. And what I'm going to talk about today is about that love relationship with Jesus and how to walk more in it. But I want to show you something from a bookstore that this is the book that Mrs. Pastor took out of my journal and wrote. And we have lots of these back there. I'll wait till we see it so you can see it. And we're coming up. We're coming up. There we are. What always precedes the major move of God. And I was realizing this morning, as I was preparing myself to come in and share what the Lord has me today, that this is really the heart of this book. What always precedes the major move of God. And I'm thinking about when the Lord gave this to me back in the year 2000 to where we are today in America that, uh, wow, there's only one thing that will turn America, only one thing that will change America, that is Christians getting serious in their walk with Jesus. That is Christians being able to pray effectively Christian leaders to be able to lead with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, with the plan and purpose of God, and then Christians becoming united around Jesus. You know, Christian churches are never going to agree on every little jot and tittle. But one thing Christian churches ought to be in unity on, and believers too, no matter what denomination we are, no matter what form of Christianity we are there's one thing that unites Christians heaven's real hell's real eternity's forever and there's only one answer to get delivered from hell and go to heaven that's receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and so it's time for Christians to quit fighting about politics about whether they believe in tongues or don't believe in tongues about all the stupid little things that they fight about, there's one thing that's for sure. Every human being that dies without Jesus Christ goes to hell. That's Bible. And the gospel is, every human being that dies because they've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they go to heaven. And God did not commission angels to preach the gospel. God did not commission prayer alone to get people to receive Jesus. He said that people receive Jesus because somebody tells them. And you know, that's not notes, it's just coming out of the heart now. And and, and, and the fact of the matter is, Christians have fought each other so much, they've got involved with politics so much and hate everybody about everything that they try to witness somebody and they say, I can't hear what you're saying because I see how you're living. Anyway, that book there, uh, Mrs. Pastor and I, we're not, we're not booksellers, we're not book writers, we're not that kind of thing, but that's something that the Lord put in our heart to take out of my journal from years ago, and I, th- I think that book can bless you, and I want to say it again, we're not out here to sell books, we want to help people to get closer to Jesus and follow after him, so they have lots of those in the bookstore, and if you want one, go back there, they're available for purchase. Now today, we don't have outlines. Are we ever going to do outlines again, Pastor Dave, or are we just going to stay with this? Maybe not, he said. Okay, well, he runs the show now. But anyway, I was going to say, look at your outline, but you don't have one to look at, so look at your screen. And today, title is, Who is Your Closest Friend? Who is your closest friend? And uh, we're going to start off, we're going to look at Proverbs 18.24. It's, it's a good verse to look at for what we're doing. Amen. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate that. He went to Dr. Barclay's SMTI School, and we learned how to get excited about the Word in the Bible School. Miss Pastor, take this, will you? Thank you. And so, who is your closest friend? And uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but we got a scripture reading we do together every every, every day of the month. Every month, we put them on the internet and. We, uh, Mrs. Pastor makes little papers hands out what they are but this month we're starting off with the book of James and back when I was in Bible school way back in about 1981, 1982 back in there I had a Bible school teacher named Marilyn Hickey does any of the old timers remember Marilyn Hickey? okay Marilyn Hickey was one of my Bible school teachers and she made the statement about the book of James she said the book of James is the Proverbs of the New Testament it's the Proverbs of the New Testament And when I read the book of James, if I I read it slow, read it quiet, read it with an open heart, I get changed every time I study the book of James. God works on me. He changes me. He shapes me up and helps me get my life back together again if it was messed up and get to where I belong. But anyway, yesterday I was reading the book of James. I was reading today's. Actually, today was chapter 4. And some things jumped off at me. But I want you to look at... Proverbs 18:24 and uh, we're going to do this in the New Living Translation. Is that going to be on the screen, Heather? Yeah, there it is. Uh Proverbs 18:24, New Living Translation says, "There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother." A real friend. And the King James says, "There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother." And so I was telling Mrs. Pastor, as I was thinking about that verse on the way to church, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about my family, that, uh, the one I grew up in. Uh, my, my mom and dad had had seven kids. Well, we outdid them. We had eight. But anyway, out of seven kids, there were six brothers and one sister. And I, and I know over the years, my brothers and I, my sister and all of us, we've had, we've had fallen outs at different times, and disagreed, got upset and mad. But I know one thing I always noticed when an attack came on any of us, it's just like the old cowboy shows, the wagon train circled and we got together. But then again, I'm thinking about this in the spiritual context. I think about this. I've been born again 41 and a half years. I've done my best to be a good Christian, live a good Christian life, but there's times when I've made wrong choices, wrong moves and dumb stuff. But, I had a friend named Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And no matter how dumb I was, how bad I missed it, he stuck closer to me than a brother. He always stuck with me. Amen. That's the direction we're going today, that uh, who is your closest friend? And we're going to look at some things, and the things we're going to look at again, they're going to be out of my journal, out of my prayer closet yesterday morning, some things that I picked up on that I thought, this is what the church needs to hear. This will help a lot of Christians. And James chapter 2, verse 23 in the Living Bible. James chapter 2, verse 23 in the Living Bible. And, and I like this. It says, and so it happened, just as the scriptures say, that Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God and the Lord declared him good in God's sight. He's even called the friend of God, the friend of God. And yesterday when I was just spending my time with Jesus and I never spent time with the Lord to get a sermon. I spent time with the Lord because I want him to talk to me about my life. I want him to help me. And so my sermons come out of my personal walk with him, not because I say, geez, I gotta have a sermon, gotta have it now. But I just love to spend time with him and then speak to people from my heart, what's real to me. And so yesterday when I was looking at that, uh, there's some things in life that's bothered me for a while. And I know that I've got contracts with people on different things. I realized a contract I had, I've been just kind of, just been hit daily about will they keep the contract? Will they keep the contract? And yesterday jumped off at me. Wait a minute, I've been looking more to them than I have to him. And so I realized, wait a minute, I'm gonna to have to shift my focus. off of this man, his piece of paper said he'd do this, I had to get my eyes back on him. That told me what he would do and know that I'm gonna trust God because I'm his friend. That's a word for somebody sitting in here right now. There's something you're dealing with in life and you got your eyes off of him and got your eyes on it or them. If your eyes are on him, he'll take care of them. Amen. So make it, make it, make that shift in your faith. Make that, make that adjustment in what you're believing and what you're thinking. And when you do, all of a sudden, that Philippians chapter 4... Verse 7, that peace that passes all understanding will guard and keep your mind. Did you ever think about what that means, the peace that passes understanding? What that means, that's like a bypass. You've got a spirit. You've got a soul with your mind, will, and emotions. And so your understanding tries to figure it out. And the more you try to figure it out, the more you lose your peace. And so I know that, uh, you know, some of us have went through serious health things over the years, or financial things. And when you've cast your care upon the Lord of those things, then all of a sudden, a bypass operation takes place in your soul. It's like a wire, like, 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 like a car. Sometimes you have to bypass a circuit on a car just to make something work temporarily. You bypass it, don't go through that system. And so when that piece of past understanding takes place, you begin to focus from your heart, not your head, and it bypasses your head. And the people looks at you because of the diagnosis, they look at you because of the current crisis you're in, and they say, man, they're just so goofy, they're just religiously nuts, they don't have enough sense to know what they're dealing with. Well, we got Bible sense. And our Bible sense says that my God will do the impossible for me. And when you do that, then you have that piece of passive understanding. That's because you've learned to trust the one that wants to be your best friend. I want to say that again. There's one that wants to be your best friend, but that's your choice. What you're going to do about that. So anyway, in reading and meditating on James chapter 4, go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, but I'm actually going to read this out of the Living Bible, but it's just as good in the King James or New Living, whatever you've got but as I was reading and meditating on this scripture reading yesterday, the eyes of my spirit got thrilled. I saw some things afresh that I need to see again. And I think it will help every one of us. James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 of the Living Bible says this, You are like an unfaithful wife, who loves her husband's enemies. I'm not focusing on that part, but that's there. Who loves her husband's enemies. Don't you realize that making friends with God's enemies, making friends with God's enemies, the evil pleasures of this world makes you an enemy of God. I don't want to tell you, God is not saying you can't have fun. You notice, you noticed the adjective evil before the pleasures. There's a lot of pleasures in this world we could have. I'm I'm not not a baseball nut, but I like to go to baseball games and watch good baseball games. There's a lot of things in this world I like to do. I do like to fish. Jesus blessed me with my own lake so I can fish all I want to, and I have giant bass and other things in my lake. But that's not my life, and it's not evil. There's a lot of things in this world that are very evil, that gives ungodly people pleasure and God says, if you love the evil pleasures of this world, then you're not God's friend. Amen. So I just want to make sure you understand that Christians can have more fun than anybody else. You know, we stay up all night sometimes and do Christian things, have Christian fun, and we don't wake up and wonder, what did we do? <laughs> what did we say? With all the cameras and everything, is what I did going to go viral? Am I going to lose my job because something stuff that I said, somebody heard, and they reported it to Facebook? What did I do? No, we have fun. We have pleasures, and there's no sorrow with it. Amen. So we want to make sure we understand that we're not a bunch of religious funny-duddies that say God says you can't have pleasure. He said don't love the evil pleasure amen and I just say this you can go to Las Vegas not have evil pleasure okay there are some fun things to do there but a lot of things there are not fun and uh, by the way what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas God knows mm. the evil ple- <laughs> it never ceased to amaze me if things come out of my heart when I'm up here talking <clears throat> the evil pleasure of this world <clears throat> makes an enemy of God I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy the evil pleasure of the unsaved world, you cannot also be a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to stay God's friend. Amen. Or what do you think the scripture means when it says, now here's the part that jumped off at me for what we're going to talk about today. Or what do you think the scripture means when it says, the Holy Spirit, whom He's he's not an it. Whom? God has placed within us, watches over us with tender jealousy. Watches over us with tender jealousy. As I read these verses, it jumped off at me. The Holy Spirit whom? Not an it. Holy Spirit is more real than any person I've ever known. If he's not real to you as a person, my prayer today is in the name of Jesus. You'll see that the Holy Spirit is not a puff of smoke. He's not just some thing that floats around in the air like a cloud, that the Holy Spirit is a whom. Did you ever see a letter to whom it may concern? Well, a whom's a person. The Holy Spirit represents jesus on the earth he's here in place of jesus jesus is right now at the right hand of god on the throne of god he's right there the holy spirit's on the earth in our hearts and he's the one that communicates with us what jesus wants to say to us he is the great communicator and he wants us to know jesus and this morning i i uh in fellowship with the holy spirit we're not going here but i just want to make a suggestion Sometime this week, slowly read verse by verse John 17. John 17. Tear the heart and desires of Jesus for us. I went through John 17 this morning. That's the whole chapter of Jesus praying for the body of Christ for us. And over and over and over again, afresh today, like I never read it before, Jesus spoke to me how contrary the world's system is to his system, the kingdom of God, and how it operates. Over and over he prayed that the world would not get in us, that we'd be in the world and change the world for him. That the world would know, because of how we live, that Jesus is real. He prayed for protection. He said, Lord... I pray that you don't take them out of the world, protect them from the evil in the world. And then he said in that prayer there, he said, I'm not just praying for these 12 right here with me. He said, I'm praying for everybody in the future that believes in me. I praise God that Jesus' words are eternal. They're effective. Those prayers that he prayed 2,000 years ago are protecting Dave through the things he's going through. They're protecting Ileah and her family. They're protecting Leanne and Jamie and the Copies and everybody else. Those prayers are still working. We're down here because we're Jesus' representatives. And then this morning, as I was reading those things and seeing those things, mark down and write your notes there, Second Corinthians four four. There's things that you've got to understand about the kingdom of God and also about the kingdom of darkness. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of darkness. There's another kingdom. Kingdom of light, kingdom of dark. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, said these words. He said, there is a God of this world. That's a small g where he said that At 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this world is the devil. And he said, the God of this world, we got to get a hold of this. We're temporarily in this world, but eternity's forever. What a human being, I'm going to say this again because I don't think Christians really understand how real these spiritual things are. Hell's real. It's absolutely real. And heaven's real. They're real. This world we're living in is a temporary thing. If you get to live to be 120 years old, that's nothing compared to eternity. How many of you have ever seen the ocean? We're out, we're out here where we got a big ocean. How, how, how much is one drop of water out of that ocean? It's nothing. How much is 120 years compared to forever? We think some of these th- things we go through on this earth are a long time compared to forever. It's a nothing. And so 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says Satan is the god of this world. says he's blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why should Christians get so stupid blind about what's really going on and want to fight about politics or fight about somebody cheating them out of $100? Why is there so many stupid fights going on? Because that's because Christians have been blinded too and they haven't had their minds renewed to what's really going on. There's a God of this world. And the Lord gave me a little nugget this morning. And I want to tell you this. You might want to write this down or watch it again later. Satan has one plan and one goal. He wants to take everybody he can to hell with him and wants to cause their life to be hell on earth. Jesus has the exact opposite plan and goal. He wants to take everybody to heaven with him and cause their lives to be heaven on earth. I want to say that again. At John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. He said, I've come for you to have and enjoy life. And so Satan has a goal. He's the God of this world, of this world, not my world. Jesus said in that John 17 prayer, said I'm in this world, but not of this world. Paul said in Philippians, said our citizenship is in heaven, but we're temporary residents in this world. And so I'm in this world, not of this world. I choose, I choose not to be blinded. I choose not to get so caught up with the affairs of life that I get spiritually dense to where I miss out what's going on. I don't have any enemies, but if I had an enemy, I wouldn't want them to go to hell. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for them. And so I refuse Let another human being, even if it's a politician that I'll never meet, that makes decisions about my family and my well-being in life, I refuse to hate them. Because I know, I know that every deceived politician or journalist, or whoever else in this world, if they die without Jesus Christ for all of eternity, Jesus said they'd be welling and gnashing the teeth in outer darkness. And for all of eternity, they will keep on crying out, Jesus, let me have another chance. The Christians were right and I was wrong. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry I did what I did. They'll never get out. And so I refuse to have hatred for people I'll never meet. I don't like the actions of a lot of people, but I hate Nobody. I love Jesus, Jesus loves people, so if I'm going to be Jesus' friend, I'm going to love people. And Jesus, back in his day when he walked the earth, he got very upset with a lot of people. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the judges of the law, a lot of people, he said a lot of bad things about him. Can you imagine going in a church service with Jesus, full of religious people, you snakes and vipers... You're like, you're like graves. Said you stink. Your religion stinks. And said you're vipers. Think, man, Jesus, he sure was nice. No, Jesus the, spoke the truth in love. He wanted to help people. And so that tells me it's okay to tell people things you're doing is bad. They're not good. And maybe some messages come out and say some things to describe to them what their actions are like. But that's not hatred that's letting people know you know like the old phrase we use sometimes turn or burn you know sometimes it might be appropriate in the New Living Translation tell somebody turn or burn amen and so we're talking about there's things going on that we as Christians uh, it's time to wake up time to wake up and you know you know, at a church like this, we preach we preach pretty serious, pretty heavy about the times we live in. This is the last days. The Bible talks about last days, end times. There's not going to be a whole lot of years left. May not be a whole lot of days left. We don't know because Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour. What would happen today if the rapture took place? How many, how many Christians... Would really go you know I 'm thinking about that Jesus said there's a lot of people that are going to say, Lord Lord, we did many wonderful works in your name. We cast out devils, we did this, and we did that, and then Paul said that the, even though you speak the tongues of men and of angels, you have not love said you 're not going to make it. and so we have to understand just because somebody goes to church, just because somebody reads their Bible. If they're not doing the things Jesus wants them to do, I'm not their judge; He is. With a lot of things He said about a lot of people, and I think it's time to recognize we're in the end times. It better be a time we start drawing near to Jesus. And amen, and have, having more than religion, but actually reading the Bible. And so, anyway, it jumped off of me about the Holy Spirit wanting to be our friend. And so he lives in me, I realized. This is my journal. He lives in me, he loves me. He's jealous with godly emotions for my affection, my attention, and my love for him and the things he likes to do. And you know that's very that's very real. If he really is a him and not an it, if he really is jealous for time with us, not like not like a jealous husband or a jealous wife. But because he said, Dylan, Dylan, I want more of you. Dylan, can I have just a little more? Dylan, can you give me me another 10 minutes this morning? That's what I'm talking about. He wants time with us. I know that uh, I love my wife. We've been together a long time. I love it when my wife and I, although we're together 24-7 pretty much, I love it where there's nothing else going on. And we can sit on the couch and, you know, I got a thing I like to do with my wife. You know, I just, you know, I I, I picked this up the back. I could my wife, and she will look at it, she'll look at me, and I'll go, sweet nothing, sweet nothing, sweet nothing. Anybody ever hear that expression? Whisper, sweet nothing's in her ear. I do things like that because I'm jealous for a time with my wife. Not in a bad jealousy, but I, 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 I uh, she, she is so, creative with her writing and her computer, the stuff she does like that book, she's working on another one now. But the thing is, I, I I as much as we're together, I like sometimes to say, Can you shut the computer off and we'll just sit down and whisper sweet nothings? And she's much more uh likes to talk on the phone and stuff with our kids and our grandkids. As I said, we've we've got eight. And they've all got mates. And they've all got children. And she's the one that every day, at least two or three of them somewhere in the country, they have the conversations going on. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. But there's something about me. I like to be with my wife and just do nothing except look at each other. And think about the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit yearns for your time. He watches over your tender jealousy. He says, can you turn that off for just a little bit and just hang out? Somebody said, I've never thought of it like that. That's why you're in this service. Jesus wants to get your attention this morning. He wants things to be better for you. The devil's the God of this world, but Jesus, the Father, The Holy Spirit, they're the real God of everything forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? And they want to be Lord of your life. And so anyway, the Holy Spirit is more real than any person you're ever going to meet. And so as I was looking at these verses, I was thinking about the fall of 2000 when the Holy Spirit said to me, this is in that book. He said, I want to be your prayer partner. I want to be your prayer partner. And and I call that fellowship. But anyway, as I as I as I looked at this and I thought about the Holy Spirit, he said that He wants to be my friend, I realized over the past 70 years, and I know I don't look 70, I know that. I know I probably look more like what, 45 or 50, whatever. <laughs> but but I know I don't look 70, and I don't act 70. The Lord Really blessed me with health and everything. Like after things I've been through, we got a ten-acre farm now. You know all the story. I work out there pretty much every day. Do lots of things out there. The heat and everything. Full of life, full of energy because of Jesus. Lots of things we do. So anyway, I realized over the last seventy years, and this is and the Holy Spirit, my prayer closet yesterday, that I've had a lot of friends over seventy years. I real and you know I'm just I'm, I'm just giving you something. About how this works with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I realized, and the Lord took me if I my it yesterday, all the way back to kindergarten. I remembered people in kindergarten. I remember people in the lower grades of school that there were seasons. I thought, man, these were, you know, I, I didn't realize things back then. I think in modern talk, man, these guys are friends forever, these are buds forever. And then seasons would change. And the people I were really close to, the people I wanted to respect me, the people that I wanted to compromise, whatever, so they'd like me, they're gone. And then all of a sudden, I moved up into junior high in my thinking yesterday. I realized some of the friends I had junior high, I thought, man, this is forever. Started high school, I never saw them again. And then in high school, I realized, Man, these guys are my best friends. Man, I told them everything about my life. We shared everything, did everything. Then all of a sudden, I'm out of high school. I've never seen those guys again. They were friends. I I tailored my life around them. I wanted to act like them. They're gone. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the teamsters world. I'm a truck driver. And I went back in in my thinking yesterday, back to my early truck driving years, the guys I ran around with, They're gone. And then I went back to 1980 when I got born again. The first church I was at, I got to think about those first Christians I knew. Man, we hung out together. We ate together. We did everything together. They're gone. On and on and on and on. But I realized there's one constant. Jesus was there all the time. He never left. The Holy Spirit there all the time. He never left. And I'm just thinking about, you know, my my prayer closet yesterday, the things I started seeing. And so all these friends were for a season. They were for a season. They came and went. The one constant is Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit in my heart. He didn't come and go. He's still here. And, And, you know, just think about that. Through all your life, from the time you were conceived in your mother's womb, Psalms one thirty nine says, "From the time you were conceived, God knew you. Said He had a good plan for your life. Through the times that you rejected Him, He had mercy and allowed you to live, till you reach out to Him. And then, after a Christian, the times that through bad choices." or maybe on purpose you sinned to miss the mark he never left you he's always there how many many of you besides me have ever been to a spiritual stoning among Christians where they threw stones at you has anybody ever been judged besides me by other Christians where they thought you were stupid dumb they didn't want to hang out with you anymore amen Jesus was at every one of those stonings and you know what Jesus said He that's among you without sin, let him cast the first stone. That has always helped me not to be a stoner. I never throw stones at Christians. When I see Christians that made wrong choices, either on purpose or because they were deceived, I don't judge them. I pray for them. After they let me, I reach down my hand. I say, Come on, man, let's get up, let's get this together. And, oh, pastor, it was my fault. Well, Jesus didn't say forgive you unless it was your fault. He said forgive you even if it was your fault. He said all he wants you to do is confess it to him, receive his forgiveness, and get up and get going. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. I want you to think about this. That is the God of this world that tells you the mess you're in was your fault and Jesus isn't going to help you? That's a half truth. The mess you're in probably was your fault. But the truth is, Jesus said, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I want you, I want you to see these verses with your eyes. Because I'm talking about who is your best friend. I know who wants to be your best friend. But I know it's a choice on your part. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. He said in the Old Testament, For I am the Lord, I change not. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. He always loves you. He always wants to help you. He has the answer for every problem you have. Everything you need comes from the Lord. Look at Hebrews 13.8. I've looked at these verses because I want you to see how constant, how consistent He is to what make you understand how real He is and how he will always be your best friend if you let him. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Yesterday and today and forever. And I think about, I think about what I heard. I was at a minister's conference in 1981 down at John Osteen's church as a man named T.L. Osborne. And I'll never forget what he said was so real. He said, if you want to know what Jesus is like, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't listen to religious people. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus Christ yesterday. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only people that Jesus ever got mad at was religious people that used the religion to hurt other people. It's a terrible thing to be a Christian and point your finger of judgment at somebody's face and tell them God's going to get you. What did Jesus do? He said, woman, where's your accusers? He said, I'm not going to accuse you either. Just go and sin no more. He said, you did wrong, but I'm not rejecting you. I'm just telling you, get up. Sin no more. And you know, one of the, the, the strangest things that happened, I'd been born again a couple of years, and the Lord had always used me in healing, and I studied healing a lot. But I heard a preacher say one day, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read the Gospels, and find one time that Jesus ever told somebody, I'm not going to heal you. I put this on you for my glory. He said, find one time that Jesus ever said, Well, you're going to receive a healing someday. You know what? That challenged me. I thought, man, that's what I've heard all the religious people saying all the reasons people don't get healed. So I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and studied and studied and studied. I found no time, one place did Jesus ever say, I'm not going to heal this one. I didn't find one place where Jesus said, I put this on them to give my father glory. Contrary to that, every every example of healing I saw in the Gospels, it always said the same thing. Jesus healed them and God got glory. God got the glory, but they got healed. Jesus healed them all. That's all I ever saw in the Gospels. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday at today's present tense. And forever. That means next year, ten years from now, however long this world goes. Jesus is always going to be the good guy. The devil's always going to be the bad guy. Amen. Because he's the same. He wants you to prosper. He wants your family blessed. If you're a Christian business person, he wants your business blessed. Whatever it is you do, Jesus is on your side. And you got to know he wants to be your best, best friend. Matthew 24 35. Matthew 24, 35. Such a good verse. This has been one of my staple verses for pretty much all my Christian life. I saw this so many years ago. Matthew 24, 35. And you know when you read the Bible for what it is, it'll totally amaze you. Heaven and earth shall pass away. What happens if a person passed away, they say, well, you know what? They passed away. It means they died. Well, the heaven he's talking about here is not his heaven. It's the heavens above the earth. Heaven and earth, the Bible says, one of these days, God's going to destroy these anyway. It says he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. as says he's going to bring heavenly Jerusalem. Who does Jerusalem belong to? It belongs to God. I don't care what's going on right now. I'm going to stay on the side of God. He says that Jerusalem is his footstool. Heaven's his throne; Jerusalem's his footstool. It's the city of the great king. But he it says it's going to bring heaven down to earth, the new earth. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. You know there should be no better environmentalist than Christians. We all take care. We ought to take care of God's creation. But there's no way. There's no way. I'm going to love the earth more than I do people people are eternal, earth's not forever. There may be a lot of stuff going on right now that's not good about the earth, but people, souls, human beings are forever and ever and ever and ever. We should never ever put the creation above the creator. Amen. That's why he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's the constant in my life, is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the word of God's the constant. Since I've, been a, since I've been a believer for 41 and a half years, God still said the same thing today, He said 2,000 years ago about money, about marriage, about child training, about prayer. Anything you want to think of, God has never changed because the times have changed. God has never modernized what he made or what he believes. His word is still the same. And so if I'm going to be best friends with God, I'm going to be best friends with his word. God's word to me is God's love letter to me because he loves me. You know, I think about the New Testament, the will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died, but he's raised from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father to make sure his word comes to pass, because he said in Mark 16, verse 20, he watches his word to confirm it. He confirms his word besides following. And so if I'm not having enough confirmation in my life, I have to judge me in my living with his word in my life in this area. In my marriage, God told me in His Word how to treat my wife to have a blessed marriage. So if I'm not getting that confirmation of the word in my life, guess what? I'm missing it somewhere with the word. I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loves the church. How many here is part of the church? I am. I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about his church, the church of Jesus Christ. Well, If I'm going to love my wife like he loves me, I think about me. If I don't do something perfect, does Jesus the Lord the boom on me and say, how come you'd miss that, you jerk? How could you be so stupid? How could you not have paid that? How could have you not done that? Jesus doesn't treat me that way. So if my wife doesn't do something, in my opinion, I thought she should have done, if I'm going to love her like Christ does the church, I'm just going to say, no big deal. Let's just get it. Come on, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll make up for it. We'll make it right. Let's do it. Come on, honey. I love you. Amen. That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I'm thinking about the wife. The wife says it's supposed to submit to her husband as to the Lord. Well, if you're submitting to Jesus and Jesus moves to your heart to do something, are you going to say, oh, no, Jesus, that's stupid. Well, that's dumb. I don't know where you got that at. Well, if you're going to submit to your husband like you would to Jesus, you're going to say, okay, honey, I know that you're the one that God's given the leadership for this marriage. And so if that's what you feel we're supposed to do, then we're going to go that direction then. Amen. I'm talking about how this works. His word has never changed. Amen. Amen. And you know, you know another, ver- another verse I want to give you. Just write this down, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Paul talked about that the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. The fellowship of the Holy Ghost is supposed to be a part of our life. And that word fellowship there, in the modern translation, says friendship. says that the Holy Ghost wants to be in friendship with us. And the friendship he's talking about there, now, now, now get this, the friendship means a heart-to-heart, a sharing of the heart. How many here, if you've ever been married, maybe didn't be a good marriage, like that. but anyway, when it first started off, ours has stayed this way, maybe yours hasn't. But my wife and I, For all these years, we don't have any secrets. I share my good times. I share my bad times. Whatever's going on, she shares with me. We are best friends. That's what the Holy Spirit says he wants with you, a heart-to-heart. If you're upset about something, he already knows it. Why not just talk to him about it? If something's bothering you, if fear's trying to overcome you, whatever's going on, he already knows it. If you've started getting off into an area you shouldn't be in in life, he already knows it. Why don't you tell him, I'm sorry, I was stupid again. Forgive me, help me, I don't want to do this. He already knows your heart. He knows you, so if you're going to have a friendship relationship with him, talk to him like he's your best friend. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to step on you, but he's sure waiting for you to be a friend. He's your friend. That's what fellowship is with the Holy Ghost, where you're able to talk about everything. You don't want to do some things and say, excuse me, sir, I'd like you to stay out. I'm getting ready to step into sin, and I know I, you don't like this, so I'm going to go over here for a while. I've got to have my sin break. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. You know what the Bible says? You just grieved him and quenched him. He didn't leave. You're sealed to the day of redemption. And so why not just come clean and say, Help, 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 help. Help. I've been hit. I've been sucker punched. I've been tempted. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Amen. He's called our helper. And so anyway, that's a good verse to look at too. But uh, what these things speak to me is this. Now listen, to this. I wrote this statement down, and you need to see this. I need to be more God conscious. I need to be more God conscious than compromising to make and keep friends conscious. <clears throat> I need to be more God conscious. I'm waiting for you can see that up there on the screen there, I think. Is that in the notes? I need to be more God conscious than compromising to make and keep friends conscious. Think about this. The Lord had me go through my life all the way back to kindergarten and then as a Christian and all these people over the years that I tried to get to like me. Sometimes when people were doing things, would to pull me into it because I didn't want to say anything, because I didn't want them upset with me. And I went along with the program anyway, although I didn't agree with it. Where are those people at today? You know, I'm thinking about you, Rosalinda, the atmosphere you're in. I've been out there for a little bit. Some stuff's gone. Think about the opportunities you have to compromise with people you work with. But it's like all of us. You know, where's those people at? Where are those people at? We as Christians, if we want to be a friend with God, and I'll tell you what I found out too in my life, the anointing of God is real. The anointing of God is the presence of Jesus. When we become more God-conscious than compromising because what will they think conscious? His presence shows up stronger. And what I found out in my life when I was in the truck driving world, especially I found this out, walking my Christian life not to be religious because I was conscious of Jesus, but those people out there that treated me like they did some of them and I wouldn't compromise. Man, sometimes God would open doors to pray and what I did man, they they would get hit with the Spirit of God strong. Man, I just long story short, because i I got to stay with this here, but I remember the time. The man, the man that was one of my best friends for a while, matter of fact, when I was going through some hard times in the 70s when I was a sinner, I lived with him and his wife for a while. But this man, when I got born again, I don't talk that way anymore, but he saw that I was an on-fire Christian, I was praying for people on the job. He walked up to me one day, and this guy was a bouncer in a tavern. He used to be a boxer in the army, so he wasn't some little wimp. He backed me up in a corner in the restroom at work one day, got nose to nose with me, cussed me out and told me, said, I hear you got this religion thing. Said, stay away from me, don't ever talk to me again. Just keep it to yourself. Within about a year, I said, live with his wife as his girlfriend, but within about a year, he saw the life I lived consistently, heard the testimonies of people getting healed when I prayed for him. He owned, a, he owned a, his own trucking company, worked at our trucking company. He told me his girlfriend, she, they wasn't married, said that she was having serious health problems and he kept hearing people talk about how I prayed for people that got healed. He said, would you come down and pray for her? So I went down to the diesel shop, had several semi-tractors in there working on them everywhere. Walked in there because he asked me to come down and pray. I went in there. This is the same guy a year before that told me he was going to beat my brains out if I tried to put in my religion on him. Well, I didn't know what religion. It was Jesus. So I said, okay. I'm not going to try to put any religion on you. So anyway, went to that shop there and because my non-compromising walk, <clears throat> his girlfriend was standing there in the middle of the shop, people all around working and I went up to pray for her and I said, Jesus said, lay hands. I can I lay my hands on you? And from about here to this right here, I got about that close, went like that, she started getting slain in the spirit. And there were some mechanics around. And it looked like we was having church in the diesel shop. It was all sinners. When she started falling, I kept trying to get to her, and she was going like that. And I never touched her. The mechanics jumped behind her to catch her. <laughs> and so anyway, got her back to the office, and she fell back in the chair by the desk there. And this, within a few days, this man, who was a sinner, told all the people in the break room at work, my wife is, wife, girlfriend, they got married later on and become a deacon in the Assembly of God Church, but they, that's another story. I went to his funeral about four or five years ago. But uh, he told all those other sinners, I didn't have to preach to him. This man here was the toughest baddest guy in the company. He was a union steward, he was mean, he was tough, he was a fighter, and he's one of these guys like Big John, Big Bad John, they just called him sir. He gathered all the sinners around, and he said, Bernie prayed for Dolores, and Dolores got healed. Amen. You know what I didn't do with my company guys anymore? I didn't go out and drink beer with them anymore. You know what I didn't do? I didn't compare who had the best dirty joke to tell today. You know what I didn't do? I didn't look at the good-looking secretary's office and say, boy, what I'd like to do with her. I quit doing those things. And it wasn't hard to quit doing those things because Jesus Christ was real to me. He was my best friend. I fellowshiped with him in my Bible every day. I spent time with him in church. And because he was so real to me, it wasn't hard not to compromise my life with those guys anymore because Jesus was more real to me than what they were. Amen. And so anyway, anyway, you, as well as I, need to become more God-conscious than compromising to keep friends that we may never see again. Amen. Amen. And so I love I love good preachers and good preacher friends. I love good Christian friends. And I have a lot of good non Christian friends. I love them, but they all come and go. They all come and go. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so I want to close with a couple verses. That always meant a lot to me. A couple of verses to live by. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 in the Amplified Bible. It's kind of a long verse, but I want to read this because I think this goes really fine with what we've been talking about today. You know, I I just want to ask, I just think out loud sometimes, is this speaking to anybody today besides me? Does does this seem real to you about how God wants to be your best friend? Jesus wants to be your best friend. And can, can you imagine, imagine this? If you had a, a human being friend and they were with you, would you want to hurt their feelings? Would you want to make them happy to hang out with you? Are there people Are there people you really like to hang out with? How many like the Holy Spirit to hang out with you? Man, Nadine, I keep seeing you guys sitting back there thinking about your real estate stuff and the things you do. Man, is so great to be able to deal with somebody that hangs out with the Holy Spirit in your business dealings. It means so much. I'm thinking about all, all of you out here in your dealings with your family and life. Wouldn't it be so nice to be at a dealing and nobody else know what's going on. You kind of just go inside of yourself, the prayer closet, say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? Are these people shooting straight? Is this right? What should we do, Holy Spirit. Or be talking to somebody, and I remember when I was a truck driver out there, all the situations I was in, something was going on, and I would just on this side, be say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about that? Have We got an answer. Should I say anything? What should I do? Has anybody here ever had a best friend, where you can't wait? Now I got all the text and everything like that, and you just kind of sitting there, and you just now you just text somebody, Hey, I have this situation right here. You got anything to, to you can help me with? somebody text you back. Well, I'll tell you what, before they had the smartphones, the most intelligent being in all the creation, whatever you want to call it, there ever is, has always been inside of me and he responded faster than a text message. Amen. Amen. It wasn't Google either. It was God. And so Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, Amplified, says, Let your character and moral disposition, be free from love of money. Wow. Free from love of money. Don't you know there's plenty more where that came from? Give God the first 10% that what you got left be open with how he wants you to use it. And you never again have to worry about what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Be free from love of money, including greed. I don't even know that word of variance. I should have looked it up, but well. Lust. And craving for earthly possessions. Craving for earthly possessions. I think about what a waste that is. The stuff that you buy, you give them so much for. And then next thing you know, they're at a yard sale, garage sale, or somewhere else for for <laughs> a dollar, had you gave a thousand for it. At just somebody's junk. But anyway, craving for earthly possession and be satisfied with your present circumstances and what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you. He's my best friend. Do you believe that? That God won't fail you? If you don't believe that yet, get close to him. When you read your Bible, don't read it like a newspaper. Daily scripture readings, devotions, whatever you do, don't read it like you're just reading a chapter in a book. If you get stuck on one verse, stay there till you get it. He said, He'll never fail you. I've not even any way to fail you. Nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Don't worry about your child's support. you got God's support. God will take care of you. I will not... I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and encouraged and confident and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Say it Be me. Say the Lord is my helper. And say this, I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread Or be terrified. What can man do to me? Say this. Jesus is my closest friend. Amen. How about you? Amen. Did that do anything for anybody? Praise God. I'll tell you what. It is time for us Christians to start living like Christians and acting like Christians. Let's just start acting like Jesus is real. Let's act like the Bible's true. Let's act, no matter who is on earthly authority in our nation, that Jesus is the authority of our life. And if we do, everything's gonna come out all right for me and my house. I want everything all right for the country, but I can't speak for all the country. I can pray for the country. But I know one thing, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes. We are going to do right. And if I stand in front of Jesus, I will not be ashamed. Amen. Amen. Well, it's time for communion. So if you would stand up and stretch for just a second, or two seconds, or three seconds, 1,001, 1, Okay. <laughs> that always gets me if somebody says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I go, 1,001, it's done. If you want to talk to me for five minutes, why don't you just say, hey, can I talk to you for five minutes? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to receive Holy Communion. And so if you would, start making your way forward or from the front, roll it back, work your way back and come up and get the elements. And then we'll speak some words of faith over and look at some things. But in our church, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive Communion here. The only requirement the Bible gives is be somebody that knows Jesus, that Jesus is your Savior, and hopefully your Lord, but we want to come together as a family, and when we receive communion, you can stand up, you can sit down, you can kneel, it's not your physical position, it's your spiritual position, and if you want to stay up here at the altar and hang out up here while we take communion, you can, or go back to your seat. The main thing is communion is a spiritual thing. And first, first Corinthians chapter 11, Paul quoting Jesus said, he wants us to do this to remember him. And you know, I don't know if you can multitask or not. I have a trouble multitasking. So if you're walking to get communion, I'm talking, you may not be listening to what I'm saying. But if you can do two things at once, what he said, do this in remembrance of me. Yesterday, I went down memory lane all the way back to kindergarten. I remembered events in my life. I was remembering friends. I was remembering all, all the different people over the years that I thought would be with me forever. But Jesus said do this in remember it to me he wants us to remember and I remember I remember exactly when I received Jesus my Lord and Savior I got my stuff up here yeah Robert you already do the little thing on it where'd Robert go okay you didn't leave me did you Robert do you stick closer than a brother okay I want to make sure you got my little thing I don't want to spill it on myself again okay that's why he's the head usher He takes care of that stuff. If he doesn't open that little cup for me, sometimes it gets sloppy up here. Thank you. But I can remember back when I was a freshman in high school, I received Jesus. I lived for him for about a year that I walked away. But I still remember exactly when I received Jesus. And then when I came back to him, when I was 28 and a half years old, I remember exactly when I received Jesus. And I remember from the Baptist church I went to as a boy, I learned so well. There really was a cross at Calvary. The Son of God hung on that cross. He died for my sins. He was raised from the dead. And this morning when I was in my prayer closet, I was thinking about that. And I said, Lord, I don't know how that happened on the inside of me. I just know you did it. I know on the inside of me, I had the nature of the devil at one time. And just in a twinkling of an eye, when I asked you into my heart, it was gone. And all of a sudden, I got you in me. It's your nature in me. And that's what this is about. He said, Do this remembrance me? I've remembered that. And he said, My body is broken for you. I remembered that Jesus took those stripes for my healing. His blood. And you know, when you don't study the Bible, these Greek words very much, but there's a difference between remittance of sins and forgiveness of sins. When you, as a Christian, as, as a sinner, come to Jesus to become a Christian, and you ask him into your heart to forgive you of for your sins, he remits them. That means he just takes His, his whatever he wipes it away with, Through his blood, he wipes out your whole past life. That's why I live in a 70 year old body, but the person lives in here is 41 and a half years old. A 41 and a half year old person lives here because my life did not begin until I was 28 and a half years old. And so on the inside, when God looks at me at my life, and this is for you, your sins were remitted when you were a sinner. When Jesus became in you, you become a brand new creature, a brand new person who never was before. And so looks at your past, looks at Amy, says, Amy, I don't know anything about you except I know this. I know the day that I come into your life, that's all I know. If anybody ever talks to you ugly about your past, then you just say, Jesus, they're talking to you because you took it. Think about that. I know that after I'd been a preacher for a lot of years, I run into a guy that used to be one of my center buddies he didn't, i hadn't seen him for so many years just after I was in California went back, I ran into him in a restaurant and I talked to him about Jesus he couldn't believe what happened to you? well it happened like 35 years before I saw this guy again all he remembered was that old guy I said no, that's not me I said I'm a new me I'm different I've never drank I've never smoked. I've never fornicated. Well, that body might have, but the body's not me. The guy that's in it's new. This man has never fornicated. This man has never drank or smoked or did those things because I'm a new creature in Christ. My sins were remitted, and so I'm not going to forget that. So we take communion. I praise God that Jesus hung on the cross took all my sins and I'm a new creature in Christ that's what's about but he tells us 1 Corinthians 11 that when we take communion we're supposed to examine ourselves and this is where forgiveness of sins comes in and so as a Christian we don't need remittance because they've been remitted they're gone but we might need forgiveness because sinning is not our lifestyle but if something slips in and we fall for it and we do it We need forgiveness. And so as we examine ourselves, this is that Holy Spirit fellowship time with hopefully your best friend. You say, Jesus, look at me right now. Is there anything in my life that's not pleasing you? Is there anything? And two things you have to be open to. Number one, it might not be that you've done something, what if he's dealing about you to do something? What if you've got a, a stash of something, money or goods or something, he's dealing with you to give that to somebody, do something with it to use it for him, and you're resisting him? What about if there's something, like, you know, there's, there's things to do in the church, things to do in the community, different things. What if he's dealing with you? I want you to put your name in the hat to run for that office. I've been giving you that desire. You delight in me. I give the desires of your heart. I want you to put your name out there and get on the ballot. What if he's doing that? And so in other words, let Jesus minister to your heart about your life. And then he says, then once you've examined yourself, then take communion. So let's just bow our heads and just take the time to fellowship with him. And, you know, as, as, we, as, as we prepare to take the bread, I just want to remind everybody here, God is not the bad guy with the hammer or the mallet Get ready to bop you because he's unhappy with you. Jesus said, our Father loves us. I was reading this this morning. In John chapter 16, he said, your Father loves you because you have loved me. Believe I came out from God. And so Jesus loves you. He's not ready to bop you. He wants to help you. And so as we fellowship with him, as we take this bread, just know how much he loves you. So he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Thank you Jesus and they said this is his blood which was shed for remission of our sins he said as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me soul what can wash away my sin
1: nothing but the blood of jesus Oh, precious is that
2: Mike's on josh that's okay it's anointed (laughs) hallelujah well altar team up here we'll pray for people for anybody that needs prayer i'm so glad that our church is back in the full-time service again we're able to minister to you if if you need prayer for anything we want to pray with you and you know as we were closing taking communion i was thinking that there's anybody in here That all the things that we preach today about how much God loves you, wants to be your best friend. If the devil's been hounding you and just putting the guilt trips on you and things where you feel unworthy, feel like a worm and, oh, I wish that, I wish, I wish I could have a life like that. Come up here. Let us pray for you and get that off you. That's the devil trying to harass you and keep you from enjoying God's best. But whatever you need, healing, family things, pressures of life, We're anointed with the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God and we want to help you.
1: you gave. that they- Jesus, I love you. Yes, sir. So-
0: start closing out here. But man, who was blessed today? Wow, I received that word. Thank God we've got that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend and he is with us every step of the way. And we got to always remember that no matter what's going on. All right. Well, praise the Lord. We just want to remind you that again, there's no service tonight. Um, so enjoy time with family. We'll be back Wednesday night though at seven o'clock for another awesome home run time together. So be here for that. And my final reminder is, uh, that the, the pre-orders for the, t-shirts uh you want to go to the bookstore and uh and uh grab one of those sign up pay for that and we will get your t-shirt ordered so you'll be in on all that uh fun and festivities later on all right praise god well we're gonna go ahead and close in prayer then we'll say our barstow faith confession and you're dismissed amen let's raise our hands today Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God today. And Lord, we thank you that you are that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lord, we choose to walk by faith, not by sight, no matter what it may look like all around us. We thank you that if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us, Lord. And we're grateful that you have called us your sons and your daughters. We are part of your family. We belong to you. And that's all that we need right there. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, you would use us the rest of this week to be the light of the world to this high desert. Lord, use us to show your love, to show your faithfulness to those around us. And we thank you for good things happening. In the mighty name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow and then you are dismissed. Let's say this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus name. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday.